Hello everyone, it's time for another edition of Adventures in Careerland. Hello everyone, I am your host, Adriano Magnifico. I'm the career lead at the Luriel Arts and Tech Center. And that's a very cool place where we do applied technical and apprenticeship programming for high school students, for international students, and for post-secondary students who are thinking, you know what, I need to do a little more. I need to figure out what I'm about. I need to find some skills. I need to think about what my future can look like. So it's a great place to do some extra thinking about what an educational experience can look like and how it can move you into a space that connects to your best self. That's what we're all about here. And of course, we are broadcasting from the Podcast Studio Center in the Broadcast Media Program. That's one of those 13 programs at the Arts and Technology Center. And it's one of those gems of a program where students decide, I want to be in broadcast media. I want to be an announcer. I want to get into TV. I want to get into social media. I want to get into video editing. I want to learn the Adobe suite. And it's a really neat program that builds skills that are really important for the 21st century. I'm lucky... It's always my pleasure to have co-hosts with me. And we've gone through co-hosts in this program because we are in season six, episode number five, and number 66 in our long, long continuum of programming. And I'm blessed to have co-hosts with me, a new collection. Look at, they're beginning to smile when I talk about how important they are to the program. Caitlin Middlestad, how are you? How, what are you up to today? Um... Video editing today. Your video editing? Yeah. And how were you feeling? When you jumped out of bed, how did you feel this morning? Great. Great. (laughs) I'm I'm training them to say great or unbelievable or I can't wait for the day to start. Because they often say things like, I say they, my Gen Z co-hosts, sometimes say, I'm a little tired. We're not tired here. We're ready to go. Of course, my other co-host is... Caden Seidler, how are you, sir? I'm great, how are you? And how did the day start for you? I jumped out of bed right away, so it was no worries there. <laughs> no worries there, you're <laughs> ready to go. Did you have a great breakfast? I didn't, actually. I, uh, I'm just a coffee guy in the morning, no breakfast sometimes. Okay. But Caitlin, what did I'm you good. have for breakfast? Nothing. I was I, running late today. Okay, I hate to play pappy <laughs> on you, but I think you kids have to start eating a little yeah. bit of breakfast. Not just coffee. Have an egg, have a little peanut butter on toast, a little banana, something like that. It'll give you that extra little juice to move the day in the direction you want it to go. And I'm pretty sure you'll stop saying, I'm tired. Because <laughs> you'll be so excited <laughs> to get the day going and you won't know what to do with your energy. So that's pretty cool. Hey, I'm so glad. You know I love having you on this program. I love having students like you share your ideas. And last time, a little while ago, we talked about TikTok. And I don't use TikTok a lot, but you guys love your TikTok. And I, unfortunately, have new information for you about TikTok. Uh-oh. Yes. And it's an opinion piece from, uh, you know, Fareed Zakaria, who's from CNN, but he's also a Washington Post writer. And he just talks about, he did a little research on it and just found how, and there's lots of research out there, but he he kind of brought a lot together. He combined a lot of research and he said tiktok's pretty addictive and he thinks we should regulate it and he just says there's a hundred and since by 2022 in the downloads tiktok is the dominant app by a mile 150 million users worldwide and by 2021 its website 2021 its website was visited more frequently than google 
two-thirds of American teens use it. One in six saying they use it, quote, almost constantly. What do you think about that? That's pretty true. No worries? Yeah, no I'm worries? Surprised. Let me continue to elucidate you. It is creating a, uh, a kind of a process where you're getting addicted because it seems to psychologists are piping into this and it's surging. This app, uh, the use of it, Americans spend on the app surged by 67% and the most of the other social medias like Facebook and YouTube grew less by 10%, by less than 10%. This one grew by 67%. So this one's dominating. You guys like to use it. And some psychologists saying it delivers that endorphin hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. And it's one of those one of those apps now that we don't quite know what the effect is it's having on you, but it's pretty clear people using it. My concern is that the research is showing since the rise in social media twenty twelve, where we started using it, we you know, we got rid of the flip phone and brought in the social media phone. Um, there's been a rise in anxiety, depression, attempted suicides, especially among teenage girls. So I'm just bringing up the data. These numbers get worse every year. So what do you think of that? And now I'll add this. You've heard of chat GPT, right? Oh, yeah. If they get chat, if they combine more artificial intelligence into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the scary Will, thing. That's the scary thing. Why do you think that? Well, what I see all the time is, like, I have a lot of music stuff on TikTok, and there'll be songs that are AI, and it's like, you know, like, say, Drake's voice, but it won't be actually him. It'll be just an AI song. And, you you know, you can't really tell what's real, and it's going to be it's gonna be hard to tell, like, nowadays from that stuff. So, Oh, my gosh. Scary. You mean they can actually... Yeah. Oh, you know what? Joe Rogan, I don't... I, I know something. Joe. I know yeah. Joe's your boy. <laughs> he apparently there was a full episode of his podcast released, but it was actually only an AI. Like none of it was real. But yes, they made it real. Like it seemed. It's scary how uh, they could check everyone. So what are you thinking, but, Caitlin? Does this bother you? Yeah, that's scary. It is scary because if I think, and what you just said, Caitlin, is really important. I think it's cool. I had no idea. Uh, but once. Things like Chat GPT combined with a like or or variations of it combined with the social media apps like a TikTok, then it can begin to. It's already wiring our brain. This could really yeah. create a sense of addiction that that may that will certainly eclipse what's currently there. So, uh, I don't know. Should we be acting on this now? Should we be regulating it? Should we be saying you can't use this till you're 16 or 18? While we still have the attention span, what do you think? Because once it takes away your attention span and you're totally into it, how do we get you out of it? Yeah, I think even all of the younger kids are in it already. But I feel like yeah, would, hmm. they'd find a way to get it anyways. I don't know. They'll get it anyway. Not if yeah. Not if uh, we don't allow it on phones. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Not if there has to be a, uh, some kind of parental consent piece that goes onto the phones. But again, parents parents give in to kids all the time. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Have, have you guys ever been to the store and when you were little and screamed you wanted that chocolate bar? And <laughs> oh, your, yeah. Yep. And your parents bought it for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did? <laughs> yeah. Uh, not all I, I used to drag Sometimes. my kid out of the store on, in a fireman's carry. You're not getting that chocolate bar. People <laughs> looking at me, my kids are screaming, you're not getting that chocolate bar. Anyway. 
that's what's going down. And you know what? We have a very cool guest today uh, who's a, a, really a blast from my past. In 2000, way, going back, way back, 2008, Windsor Park Collegiate. It was in my class. It's when I started a, a program called the Career Internship Program at Windsor Park Collegiate. And uh, this was a student in it. And uh, now he's in a space in Edmonton working for a logistics supply chain company called McKeeson. His name is Kirk Hoff. Kirk, how are you? Doing good. Yourself? I'm very good. I'm very good. Hey, what's your take? The reason I bring up the whole TikTok thing, you have a couple of children now, Kirk, don't you? I do, too. So what are you thinking now when you hear the TikTok discussion with your own children? What are you going to do? Keep them away from a computer for as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what's going to happen? Will that be possible while all the other kids have their phones? Well, that's the scary thing, right? Um, my two-year-old can pick up my phone and swipe and get to my, into my apps and all that kind of stuff. So kids are learning at an advanced pace, <laughs> uh, to say the least. But uh, moderation has to, I kind of agree with the article, but moderation has to somehow happen. How that would work, no idea. <laughs> well, but again, you're a parent, so what are you going to do? How are you going to moderate it in your own home? Well, there's a few things that, you know, number one, my kids love the outdoors more than I have yeah. before, so that's good. But number Very two good. is... Um, there's lots of parental controls you can throw in things. You can actually limit your Wi-Fi time. You can cut off Wi-Fi in the house, you know, all these kind of things. So obviously try my best when I get to that point uh, with some of the tools that I got. Hopefully there's better tools when I get to that point. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I, I, again, you'll be a concerned and active parent in lives. Sometimes kids, though, just... yeah. Caitlin's point's well taken. They'll figure out a way to do it. They'll go oh, to their they absolutely will. They'll go to their friend's house, get onto that I, iPad or whatever it'll be called in the in the next ten years. I don't know. Yeah. But this the is a new generation. Do is try to, sorry, go ahead. No, go go. No, I was going to say the best thing I think you can do is communicate with them in advance of everything, and just instead of hardcore moderation, just talk to them about what you know what the internet is what you get you know all that kind of stuff transparency i think is mm -hmm. the best case you can hope for that's a good point kirk but if these things are addictive and they're they're activating your endorphins and activating that the dopamine in your brain to, you know to seek to seek pleasure and engagement and that kind of stuff um parents will lose out you can't beat that can you nope unless you uh Turn off the, the power, no. Just turn off. That's what I'm saying now. <laughs> I, I think we just have to go back. I like what you said. My, luckily, my kids love nature. I really believe that. I think we got to get back out. Oh, Stop yeah. staring at phones and, and start staring at trees. Boy, that'll That's be fun. Idea. Caitlin, looking forward to that. We're going to go on a walk after this. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Look at some trees. You are? Oh, Caitlin, isn't that lovely? I actually wouldn't mind that. That would be nice because it's nice. nice out and it's going to snow in like two days. What? I know, but I love walking in the snow. Don't you I love know. walking in the snow? It's going to snow. Yeah, it's yes. going to snow. <laughs> okay, it's going to snow. Any snow in Edmonton there, uh, Kirk? Not a drop. Not a drop. Getting some, we're, getting, we're getting a five-gallon drum as usual. But that's Winnipeg. We love it. We love our snow. Say it. I love the snow. I can't wait to jump out of bed in the morning and hope uh, there's a snowfall. I refuse. Uh, so that <laughs> no. I can write a poem about it. What do you say? Yes? Poem. No. Mm, no. It wouldn't be a good poem. Okay, it would be a good poem. Anyway, Kirk, remember the days of Saint, or sorry, because they say B of Windsor Park Collegiate uh, in Saint B. Uh, 
when you jo- you joined the career internship program, I used to wander through the hallways and try to convince people to join that program. You joined it in grade 11 for the grade 12 year. Do you remember why you chose that? Because you were a quiet guy in school. Is that fair to say? I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, why I joined the career internship program? Yeah. I'm here to answer. Yeah. Uh, number one, uh, I had a very strong little partner in life who I still am with today, who said it would be a good idea for my future. Uh, number two. Is that, a ch- the, is that a high school sweetheart story? High school sweetheart turned wife. Beautiful yeah. moment. Beautiful moment. Um, so, you know, she gave me the idea that it would be a good idea to join that because number two for the two, uh, I would say I was not completely, but a little bit directionless, I would say, at that point, right? So it uh, it was an interesting um aspect to, to join and maybe get some direction because at that point in my life it was really what's what am i going to do what's my next step after this so uh, two-tiered answer okay. so well that's good uh, great answers and of course say hi to candace i know candace so say hi to candace when this is all done today when you go back home start playing with your kids and settle down to a meal somewhere and enjoy life anyway is it fair to say that a lot of high school students feel like you did i don't know what to do i feel directionless i love that i I love that expression i feel directionless yeah i don't want to speak for the current generations but when i was at that point it it really was it was make sure you get your this amount of credits so you can graduate and you have this amount and then you can join to this and you're starting to think about which university to go to what am i going to do for the rest of my entire life it was a trying time so yeah, I would say, at least back in 07, I guess, um, a lot of my graduation class um, was feeling that directionless, what am I going to do? And there's a few of us who obviously, I went to do this, and I became an engineer, and the world turned. But a lot of my graduating class, because I'm kind of connected with a few of them, I, you know, have, we're in that same boat, right? So I think a lot of them could have honestly benefited from joining the CIP uh, program at the time. Right on. And we did something there. I, I did a lot of interesting things there that were different. Um, I wrote a logistics and supply chain course. And you guys had no idea what that was. And most of the world doesn't. And I suspect maybe our co-hosts don't understand what logistics and supply chain work is. And where that career, and they're not, and they're shaking their heads going, what is that? Uh, but we had, I had a course in there and you were taking that course. So, uh, and it, it's amaz- amazing to me that that course influenced you enough to have you, you know, 15 years later in logistics and supply chain at a high level. So taking a course like that, how did that influence you and what did that help you see in life? I'd say it really opened my eyes to what a career really means, what working means, you know. My experience up to that point was working the, in the receiving a dollar amp, so you know much of my line. Uh, it showed me through the internship program. You know, I got I think I was St. Boniface Hospital for purchasing. Um, it showed me the uh, the world at a very high level, and that I was a small part of it, but that I had to do more uh, to get to that next step. So that was the illuminating aspect for me, is just seeing I had to get more. Uh, under my belt to um, really get to that next level, honestly. Well, because high school, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, high school up to that point had led me 
I was ready, let's say, to graduate. I was ready to go to university. I was not ready uh, for anything related to having a career, getting a job. That's an interesting point because a career is something more reflective, right? It, it's it, it's more thoughtful. Uh, the sense that a career may be something long and on a path. Did you ever, when you left there, did you think, I've got to find a career or did you feel confident knowing that I was on a bit of a path? You took you took some of that logistics education. You said you were at St. Bonaventure Hospital with uh, Mr. Maleshko there and doing purchasing. When you sat in there, I like what you said there when you go, we, I understood what working really means because I had to go on an internship somewhere. And the students, the co-hosts here and in the programs in this building are generally connected to internships or apprentices where you have to go out and actually work on a site and understand what that work environment. What did you learn from that St. Boniface experience? Like when you when you looked around and did work, what did you actually learn as a human being moving forward and trying to make decisions? Communication, how people handled themselves, how they communicated. Um, you know, it was good enough to be involved in, at the time they were moving a project to uh, create health records to be instead of paper and they were trying to put it online so I was able to attend meetings uh, business meetings and just seeing how that was done you know how was a idea pushed to a group of people how does that actually work um, things like that I would say you know the the importance of spreadsheets the importance of talking and communication communication really was the biggest thing I think I walked away from um, that I still use today in my career. That's an interesting point. And every time we um, we we find a Gallup survey or um, uh, a conference board survey, and they're asking, you know, what are employers looking for? Communication is always one of one, two, or three on the list, right? About figuring things out. The logistics and supply chain took it to a different level, I think, because. Uh, you actually moved through logistics job. Tell us what logistics and supply chain is for the 12 or 13 listeners of this podcast. Um, very, very high level. Logistics and supply chain is really the creation, packaging, transportation, movement of goods from origin or conception to you know, storefront, retail, uh, product consumption by so for perspective uh, what I do at McKesson is we're in pharmaceutical uh, distribution so really we buy goods we hold them in our warehouses we distribute them to pharmacies across the western well all of Canada um, and then the consumer picks them up at a pharmacy so I'm the background to everyone getting their prescriptions <laughs> well that's pretty cool and you you are instrumental in brokering the deals, right? There's a lot of costs Agreed. involved here. It's not something simple about, oh, we've got product, here, take it. What's involved in all of that? You know, it's because we are governed by Health Canada in a lot of different senses. To your point, uh, packaging, packaging. Uh, is it ambient? Is it an ambient delivery unit? Can the unit you know, ha handle temperature from 15 to 25 degrees at all times? Do we have GPS sensors on there? If we don't, um, changing that packaging right at the distribution centers to use a packout. So what a packout is, is then you have a temperature controlled packaging mechanism that can hold temperature for a set amount of time. 
Uh, you apply that to your transport. So if your transport's eight hours, your pack out is good for 12 hours, you're good to go. Uh, some of those things we have to deal with. Um, and and it's all yeah. about keeping the costs in check too, right? Like you got to keep the quality up and the cost down. That's what's effective, isn't it? But you also have to make a profit, right? You got to take your cut as well, right? So um, the challenge, where does the communication come in there? Is it everywhere? Well, communication is key on, on all facets. It's communication from operations. So the guys and the gals who are actually in the DCs, uh, picking the freight, uh, packaging the freight, communicating to us and transportation, freight's ready, you know, communicating with carriers, okay, freight's ready, uh, packaging has to go out. It's also from the carriers back to us, from us to the customers, communication. Again, communication is the key. So. Well, when you think about, you work for the Northwest Company as well, right? So you went from St. B Hospital, an internship, you worked at St. B Hospital for a while, and you wouldn't think yeah. of the St. B Hospital as a logistics or supply chain center, would you? It's a healthcare place. So give us an example of how important logistics and supply chain is to a hospital and how it's and how it's dependent on you. Yeah, for sure. So hospitals were under the, at least St. Boniface at the time, ran a uh, just-in-time inventory system. So the hospitals themselves, if you guys have ever seen a hospital way back in the bottom somewhere, there's actually a very small warehouse where they hold all the freight, all the products that are required on all the different wards. So what happens at that point is the purchasing team is in charge of buying those products from the vendors, but they're also in charge of the lead times. Because with a just-in-time inventory system, you can't hold lots of inventory. So if you were to be hit by a crazy emergency, let's say you need to buy more product very quickly at the hospitals, uh, what's crucial to the hospital purchasing team and their inventory team is consistent deliveries within their timeline. So let's say you have 10 products. You know that by Wednesday, you'll use 50% of all of them. Then you need a re-delivery on Wednesday or Thursday consistently. You don't have the warehouse space, so you're just sending in, you have consistent delivery coming into the warehouse. So from our side, you know, a disruption to that chain has a insane impact on the hospital and the end user, which would be the hospital patients. Well, how how about think of a, an, an operating room? What if a, what if something's not there in the operating room? What if a tool isn't there? What if a device isn't there? You guys are responsible for making sure those operating rooms have their pieces, right? Exactly. And that's and that's huge. So supply chain is always the lurking piece in every organization that says, we will have the goods in here, we will have them when you need them, they will be in the right shape, and we will get them at the right cost. That's a neat job. And when you think about, you went from St. B Hospital, you stayed there for how long? You actually worked there because they were impressed enough with you. That's the beauty of an internship, because you can you can create this sense of, hey, this is... This young person's a pretty good worker. Let's keep him or her or, 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 or them on, right? How long did you stay there? I probably stayed, I, was, I got on as casual. And to your point, getting into a hospital is one of the most difficult jobs you'll ever get. But the internship obviously opened all the doors so that they knew who I was. Yes. So I think I stayed there four years, something like that. I was casual. I also took a job at the airport uh, close to the end of it. It's again dedicated days where casual is casual. Pretty cool. When you went to the Northwest, did you go to the Northwest Company after that one? 
Yeah, I went from uh, St. Paul to Sausal, worked at the airport from the airport to Northwest Company. Okay, now the airport's an obvious logistics place, right? It's a plane taking product to and from. Um, how long did you stay there? I think only like two years. Two years. Now, why do you leave a place like that and go to Northwest? Number one uh, would probably be just the, the advancement uh, of my career, obviously better pay wage and uh, better hours, if you will. Right. The, uh, the airport gig was, well, you guys have all been to an airport, planes are always leaving. There's always someone on the ramp down there. I was that guy at some point. So, uh, uh, you know, I left for better career prospects. Okay. Now, Northwest is a, is a, here's the other part. I love that you're with the Northwest company. I've had students intern with the Northwest company. Because that's, that company tries to get goods up north. And the problem solving involved in getting a box of alphabets to a northern community at a reasonable price is immense. Talk about that for a sec. Yeah, for sure. Um, so our Northwest company... Uh, the interesting thing with Northwest Company was they also had a master franchising with uh, Giant Tiger. Yes. Uh, so the way we ran everything was you did all your Giant Tigers first. Uh, they would leave in Lionel's, and then um, that was the easy part because Lionel's were controlled. You're going directly to a business. So that was sort of the easy costs. The northern communities, it was all air, right? So for the most part of the months, you're dealing with air freight costs. Um, the way that we did it was we would run it through the warehouse, put it on flats, uh, which is just a big metal cardboard, put the freight on top of it. Again, with air freight, now you're, you're uh, being charged by uh, volume, so you want to try to control your weight. So some of the things we do, you know, instead of using chip pallets, which is just a very heavy pallet, you see them at the grocery stores, they're blue and heavy. Yep. Then of using those, because you get charged for it, which makes no sense, you use a plastic pallet. Plastic pallets, same idea, cheaper, you know, throw them in the air, they're nice, and, and they cost you less in the air. Yeah, they're lighter, um, right. Exactly. So things like that you could do to, to lessen your impact. Uh, another thing that was crucial to the Northwest Company was um, these northern communities, as everyone has a TV, you know, ice roads. Uh, so there's two big seasons for the north. The north is you have your ice roads. So when everything freezes, you can actually use trucks instead of planes. But that is also heavily regulated you know, by weight restriction. So then we would literally buy freight in bulk, put it on a flat deck and just run it up north. Uh, weight restricted, uh, weight restrictions applied. And um, the other one is how do cars get up north? Well, cars, generally speaking, go from the East Coast. We put them on a boat. Um, you run them up there on the boat and there's a no docks up uh, north. So that's another challenge you have to face. So what you would do is you actually on the boat, they have, um, detachable docks essentially so you put a freightland loader on it you run it up to the ground you make your own dock and then you're running stuff from the ship onto your homemade dock let's say on the side of the road and uh, so those are some of the challenges we face on that cost wise how do you get that uh, from there the government also is you know definitely helping us out on subsidiaries there too but those are some of the challenges we face with Northwest Company. Well and that's kind of crazy though because it's I mean, you'll pay a fortune for four liters of milk up there because of all the costs and trying to get it up there. Exactly. And it's yep. and that's why that's why there people are trying to figure out ways to get up there. We talked on the phone yesterday just about uh, 
Barry Prentice from the Transport Institute here at the U of M advocates for the blimp. Can we get blimps to move these things up and down, right? It's If you can solve the problems of how to get food to the northern communities at a reasonable cost for people up there, what a difference you'll make, right? It, it, it's, it's, uh, there's, the point I wanted to make about Northwest is, is this a big problem solving piece? You're, I remember watching with some students and some uh, logistics practitioners in a room thinking, how do we get this up there at a cost that works? Problem solving, right? When you talked about the, the blue pallets, you're problem solving. You're looking over ways to figure out how do we get this cost down? Is that fair to say? You're in a problem solving mode all the time? Oh, absolutely. And that's the entire organization. You know, another one was, um, you know, bananas. We were dying on bananas. By the time they would get up there, they'd be garbage. So you got two days, let's say, they're up there finally. Um, other than that, they're getting thrown out. So that's money lost. Um, so some of the things that we were looking at when I left was do we put our own fumigation on site? Do we fumigate the bananas on site and give them a couple more days of life? So there's all these things happening in the supply chain to to your point, either directly directly impact the cost or directly impact things like risk. So it's interesting. Super interesting. Like the whole supply chain gig, when you're trying to move something from origin to consumption uh, for a consumer, it's a fascinating process. And I didn't realize till I actually had to to immerse myself in it 20 years ago, um, doing some logistics work, how complicated and how important it is for every company to have someone who understands the operations and supply chain of something. Otherwise, you're just gonna be hit by costs. You don't even understand. Someone's gotta manage that stuff. And that's what you do. You're a manager of that. Impressive stuff. No, impressive stuff. Hey, talk about, we talked about at, at Windsor Park, I made you kids do Toastmasters training. Now, I mentioned this to our two students. They did Toastmasters training and they went, what? What is that? And of course you're thinking, it has nothing to do with breakfast, but what's a Toastmaster? We did Toastmasters training. You did that at, at, at Windsor Park as a high school student. And you said it was really important to you. Talk about that and that training we did. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Toastmasters from a guy who did it, you know, back in 2007, 2008, um, it's essentially a public speaking course. So it helps you gain confidence uh, in just public speaking, really. Uh, how to articulate yourself, how to talk to a group of people. Again, here's a point, here's a concept, and just bringing that forth. Um, so the way we did it back in the day, uh, was training in that regard and candidly um, probably some of the most crucial training that I've ever had in my uh, my mid-level career um, because again uh, you take that and it's not public speaking you think public speaking you're gonna go in front of a thousand people and talk you know the president of the, the US whatever it is no you take that what I learned from there I take it to business meetings I take it to conference calls same principles apply and again, harkening back to communication being so key, um, things like that Toastmasters training, I use the principles on that to this day. So uh, it was good. And that's just the... Well, that's okay. That's just the importance of practicing things we don't practice in school, right? We learn how to read and write, but how often do you stand up in school 
and have to go in front of a group and talk. That's an interesting thing. Schools don't do that. For the most part, you might stand up, and I, I look to my two colleagues here, my two student co-hosts, and, and ask, how often do you stand up in front of a classroom, in your classroom, and have to do something? You might be in a group, and you get your two minutes, right? Mm -hmm. How often do you stand up and say, I've got 50 minutes I have to talk about here? How often? Like never. never. Like never? How often did you do that? Not once. Not once. So... An immense, I'm hearing from Kirk how important this is, and I've done lots of Toastmasters training with lots of students who say, most important thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. We don't do it. And how important would that be for you guys? When you think about, he's talking about communication, he's talking about feeling more confident. Yeah. How important would that be? Because it is about practice. And we did that, do you remember that? We must have done, in the early days of doing that Toastmasters, I think we did 10 weeks of it, didn't we? Do you remember? It was a long time, though, we did that for, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. It was a long course, and it culminated in that um, yeah. we had the, the, the parents come in, and we, did, uh, we actually did public speaking at the end. Yeah, and, and, well, we were, we, well, we were doing it all along in front of our, our classmates and such, but then the practice was, here's a group of 100 people. Now you're going to speak to them. And you had to speak for anywhere from 2 minutes to 10 minutes about a topic. It was amazing. How would you feel about doing that? Oh, I'd probably be a little, little scared at first. But, uh, <laughs> but practice, right? Yeah, no, I mean, just from being in this mm -hmm. course, it's kind of helped just speaking more, and that would have definitely helped in high school. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think, Caitlin? I think it would be helpful, especially because, I don't know, I can't speak for 10 minutes straight, so I think it would be a good thing to like practice. You, can you speak to your buddies for 10 minutes straight? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. You sure can. It's, Probably. It, it's, just a, it's just a way of channeling that into another space. Yeah. And seeing a new audience, new context. That's pretty good stuff. Hey, tell me now. Look, you've come through this. Kirk, you were a quiet person. You were when I saw you. And uh, you were in the program. You're quiet. You always had this balanced persona and, and just balanced way to look at things. You never got excited. You never got overly excited. You never got kind of down about things. Um, but you kind of meandered through the high school system, got out, and then you established your career. You've also, um, which was a, 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 a credit to you. I always admired that you had this good sense of balance about yourself. Did you ever, did you feel that way or were you just, or am I missing that? No, I'd say I was balanced and reserved, if you will, um, in my high school days. Yeah, that's good. It's now when you think about, um, moving forward and thinking about your 15 years in you've got a family you're with you've you've gone through a number of jobs you've moved to the jobs what's it like moving to a new job like you've done three or four of them now is is that a regular thing you think people are just going to be doing or are you looking at these 30-year careers do you think those are gone i think the 30-year careers are gone honestly even when i started getting involved in, in nobody was really you had your your vets your 30-year guys but uh no like i mean my team that i built here at mckesson they're all built of two to five year guys um that was always my plan was a five year five years around four you start looking at you know what's your next steps are you happy do you want to stay here are you advancing what's the what's the ceiling i was used to say uh, for where i am that there wasn't a ceiling you start looking for another job. Um, 
there's obviously other things like money, uh, hours, but here in McKesson, what they've been able to offer me is number one, the challenge, uh, number two, a ceiling. You know, I know where I can get to, and uh, they provide me the options to do that. But a 30 year career, um, I just don't see it anymore. I think at, at the longest, you're looking at 15 years, I would say that would probably be your term duration until people are starting to say, okay, I want to do something else. So do you feel that way? Do you factor that into it? You said you built your own team. You expect some of your team to leave at various times, right? Agreed. Yeah, 100%. And some of them are, are you know, kind of be getting to those levels where they're, what do I want to do for the next five years? I've got, the fun part of my team is I've got guys who are brand new in their career. I've got guys who are reaching year four. Uh, and, you know, so it's interesting to see what they want from their career. And it's, uh, you know, some of them want, recognition some of them are after titles some of them uh, just want to do what they're doing and it's not telling them what to do with their careers it's what do they want that's what i push to them is what do you guys want out of your career so that's interesting kirk that's a different way to look at it right it's more about now can i connect to my employee team and Mm -hmm. and understand what's important to them instead of always thinking what's purely important to the company. Is that fair to say? Because when, when you can connect to them and have them feeling more satisfied and give them a voice, do you find that that contributes to the best interests of the company anyway? I agree, yeah. Um, I harken to transparency and just a happy employee who's, you know, will do things better. Uh, somebody who's trudging along, just doing always like quietly quitting, I guess, what it's called. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd rather have guys and gals who are engaged, uh, understand the goals, can get to them. But at the same time, to your point, what's in it for me? Does it help my family? Does it help me? I'm like, uh, you know, giving them abilities to go and get education. Uh, you know, and uh, talking to this, you know, one of my employees who wants to take the uh, CITT program to increase his knowledge. So, happier employees who feel engaged that's the that's the goal it's, it's no more of a follow the corporate culture because honestly employees have a lot more ability now to jump ship and go somewhere else that they want you know offers them uh, a better deal so employees uh, employers are changing the way that they're treating their employees in that regard for sure Right on. And you seem to be one of those progressive bosses. Good for you. I'm thinking about when you mentioned the CITT, you went, you started in university, right? Yep. Now, how, uh, how, university, how Winnipeg. university of Winnipeg, how did that go? It was good. Uh, obviously, didn't graduate. Um, but I went into it with the idea, you know, I should go into business. Business, 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 mysterious word, right? Go into business and you'll, you'll find your way. Uh, I always found myself, I took uh, film, actually, as and I always led myself, I enjoyed film a lot more, and then, uh, I don't know, I just, the story is, uh, I didn't feel that I was going down the right path at the time that was going to give me what I wanted, so I actually left university, and I just started working, and um, well, you know the rest at this point, but there you go. Well, how, how, how did you get into the CITT? And tell these two young people here what the CITT is. CITT, uh, the Canadian Institute of Traffic and Transportation, uh, is a, a, it's a pseudo school, it's a professional organization that 
allows you to join. You jump in and you do university level courses from the University of Toronto. Uh, you go in, you do these courses, you get together as a group with other professionals or professionals to be, and you just learn the transportation and logistics uh, model. It's more transportation and logistics than supply chain. And it's more, you know, <clears throat> taking actual ideas, but it teaches you the outlines of uh, transportation. So I learned transport law. I learned how to visualize data in a sense where here's a bunch of data. Now communicate that to a group of stakeholders and say, okay, I need everybody to go in this direction. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, so, it, the so you got your CITT designation, right? Correct, yeah. And that was the, uh, what did you call that? It's actually the... The CCLP. Uh, the CCLP, which stands for the, what does that stand for? Canadian Certified Logistics Professional. Well, how exciting is that? So you didn't go, the, the, the reason why I bring this up is I want people to understand, you don't have to go to University of Red River. There are other opportunities to get education that aren't exactly in those brick and mortar institutions. CITT offers it, and you're thinking of a P-Log, a professional logistics designation, down the road, which is another one of those ones you can do online, do it in various places. As you build your career, your family, your your home, and those kinds of pieces, education offers many opportunities, but most kids aren't aware of a CITT. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I wasn't aware of it until uh, one of my mentors in life, Jim Hart, to the Northwest Company on the night shift, told me I should do something with my life. And, uh, gave me the, the number for CITT. I looked into it, and uh, it really appealed to me at the time. So, uh, well, that's cool. Yeah, you got something called what I call the tap on the shoulder. That's what I I wrote an article about that once, where someone says something to you, taps you in the shoulder, and says, "Hey, have you ever thought about doing this?" And so that was a life changer for you. Absolutely. I still uh, I lost Jim Hart's number, but he's somewhere in Winnipeg still. <laughs> Well, um, you, you know where he is, though. He's in your heart. Oh, there you go. There you Classic go. Made it, so. It's a beautiful moment. Beautiful moment. Anyway, hey, listen, if you were a grade, if you were coming back to a grade 11 classroom, knowing what you know now, and I, I, I remember you like yesterday, my students, what would you tell that grade 11 class about, here's what you need to do to be successful? What would you tell them? Good question. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I could say would be to not let external influences tell you what to do. You gotta find your way and you have to, your career will outline itself to you. So don't, I went to university again because I thought that's just what I should do. Uh, you know, so don't let things like that tell you what to do. Don't let things influence you and find your own story. I love that. Find your own story. But how do you find that? What do you have to listen to then? You just have to live. Uh, that's the, the within, you know, what interests you. For me, I got involved in through the internship program. I was lucky enough to involve myself in supply chain. I got that taste for it. And down the line, I was working and, you know, I found out that it was interesting to me how things were moving, how do we, again, what's the best cost for it, how do we do this, all the different challenges. It really appealed to me. So I knew that if it appealed to me, it's something that I would not mind doing Yes. You know, for five years to ten years. And that's how my story kind of just opened up to myself. I love it. Is it fair to say that a day in supply chain is different every day? Oh, yeah. If you 
want a job that's not boring, get in the supply chain because you I never know what I'm walking into. Eight in the morning exactly. every day is different. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's kind of cool that way. And are there opportunities for women in supply chain? Of course there are. Huge. Uh, when I was working at EH Price, uh, it's interesting. And uh, I'll say this, up to my, new, my last boss, uh, all my uh, direct bosses in the last you know, five years have all been female. So there's a, a great ability and chance for uh, female employees to rise in the supply chain field. Yeah, in, in what was traditionally a male field, I see that, oh, the school is telling us. Uh, but I will, uh, um, I, well, I think about those possibilities in a male-dominated field, as supply chain used to be, I think it's fair to say 25 years ago, I think there's opportunity for females in this space like never before. And they're looking for supply chain practitioners, like tens of thousands of them in the next 20 years. And the opportunities in supply chain, because we saw it in COVID, right? You must have felt it in COVID. What a disaster the supply chains were. Oh yeah, it, uh, from our side, it was a it was a game changer. You couldn't buy trucks. You couldn't find trucks because um, all the chips were in China. So you could find parts of a truck, but you couldn't put it all together. <laughs> uh, it was good times, and uh, you know other challenges during over the BC mudslides when the interior got cut off for the rest of the world. They still needed their pharmaceutical goods, let me tell you. So, yes, yes, even more so. Yep. Amazing. Hey, anyway, hey, you know, we do something called here. Kirk, that's interesting. I'm, 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 gl I'm glad you've been a part of this, but now we'll put you on the hot seat. I'm going to turn it over to Caitlin for the quick cues. Are you ready, Caitlin? Explain yes. what this is. Okay, so quick cues are a bunch of questions. It's which one do you prefer out of, like, two options. You just choose whatever one you prefer. Sorry, I don't think I can hear Caitlin. Oh, what? Caitlin, oh. you're back. Here it is. Okay, Caitlin, oh, you're on. Okay. <laughs> okay, so quick cues are a bunch of questions. It's You just choose whatever one you prefer out of the two, and it's just supposed to be rapid fire. So, And if you don't know an answer for one, just say skip, and then we'll continue. Yep. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, dogs or cats? Cats. Orange juice or apple juice? Orange. Favorite holiday? Family day. Favorite social media? Pass. Tea or coffee? <laughs> coffee. Books or movies? Movies. Hot dog or burger? Hot dog. Starbucks or Tim Hortons? Tim's. Shows or movies? Movies. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Cake or pie? Cake. And last question, what is your favorite podcast? Obviously this one. <laughs> so that answer entitles you to a sweatshirt the next time you're in Winnipeg that has Adventures in Careerland on it. Congratulations, Kirk. And we'll actually now actually post it because you said the right thing. Good for well, you, there Kirk. There you go. There you go. And I'm really, really excited that you like the hot dog. Yeah, Which is uh, really it's a uh, well, Skinner's, right? Skinner's is the, the Skinner's dog. I'm, I'm the Costco dog guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you ever have the Costco dog, Kirk? You ever have yeah. a Costco dog? You gotta go to Costco and and get their hot dog, their beef hot dog. They're good. Yeah. It's like cheap... Alberta. We got Costco. We got the liquor version of Costco. It's crazy out here. I know. I says. I mean, Costco yeah. Hot dog for you. Yeah, and, and you know, you know, with a cold rum and coke or something. It's amazing at Costco, right? <laughs> That's silly. Anyway. 
I don't advocate any of that, boys and girls. Anyway, I thought it's... they were a sponsor. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> They're all smiling here. Hey, Kirk, that was fun. I hope you had some fun telling us things. Wow. And I, no, it was I, great. So thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. No, it was great. And I, I got your picture. I'll make sure we, uh, we, we get that. I appreciate you sending me that for our, thim- our thumbnail later when we post this stuff. We'll post it in a couple weeks. But, uh, hey, you've opened eyes to what supply chain is. What's your exact, and I'll talk to you about this, but just, just I need to know when you got your CITT, when your, um, when your UW time was and that stuff for the thumbnail. But I'll talk to you about that later. Hey, I appreciate it. Lots of things we learn about you, about communication, about moving forward, and about, I like that you were just kind of an average kid in high school, quiet, but with ambitions, goals, and dreams, you were looking for the path, and you're, and you, you, you took some steps off the beaten path by joining that career internship program, and then stepping out of other spaces and trying things, and that's the way you're going to discover your best self. And I think you either are doing that, you have done it, or you're on the verge of doing it. So, congrats, man! It's always my pleasure. I'm very proud of my ex-students when they do work like this. And McKeeson's a cool little place because you're in it. I can tell you that. So, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. You guys take it easy and uh, ride out the storm. I'll talk to you. <laughs> All right. Take care. And ladies and gentlemen, what a great doozy of a show we've had. Appreciate Kirk Huff being with us. And, of course, my co-host, Caitlin and Caden. And Phoenix, work in the production room. And that's it for another edition of Adventures in Careerland.